Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth Podcast. I'm Jack Smith. I'm Shrikar Gendron. And I'm Anish Gupta. And today we've got a couple topics to discuss. Uh, you can look down and Anish right there if you're on YouTube. He's on a different camera. First of all, Anish, <laughs> you say hi to the camera. It, it's a little bit weird, but hey, we hope you yeah, guys like it. But football-wise, new topics. We've got the Julio Jones situation, everything that's been going on for the past couple weeks. We haven't talked about it yet. We were kind of waiting and hoping he'd be trading. We'd have a little bit more to talk about. But with that being the kind of the thing that's dominated the past week, we got to bring it to you guys. Talking about some teams rumored to be in the mix for a possible trade. Talking about you know what unfortunately happened on Undisputed uh, and all of that. And then we'll move on. We'll talk about Todd Gurley. He's uh, visiting with the Lions, and maybe if that signals a new trend in the NFL, and then we'll finish it out. Jay Cutler had some interesting words about Justin Fields that we'll dig into and give our own opinion about the Bears rookie. But to start it off, both of you guys, quick synopsis. What do you think about this Julio Jones situation and what's transpired over the past couple of weeks? So we have a doc where we just keep like all the stuff we're going to talk about for each episode. And right now we have a bunch of teams on that doc that could be directly linked to a Julio Jones trade. But of those, there's really only like four, like prominent, maybe five prominent teams that come to mind. Uh, Two of them, the Patriots and the Titans. um, I think both make a lot of sense. Titans, especially uh, their number two wideout is what Josh Reynolds right now. I mean, that's not going to cut it. AJ Brown needs someone, um, you know, that could really help them out. And I think Julio Jones would be that guy. So in terms of, a, you know, the best fit, I think the Titans are definitely like right up there. Um, the Patriots have just been aggressive all offseason. So it wouldn't really shock me to see Bill Belichick go after Julio Jones. It would be kind of weird, though, because, you know, the Falcons trading their star wide out to the Patriots. It's just kind of a weird 28-3 sort of thing that Falcons fans would just not be able to get over. But I think the Patriots make a lot of sense. The Colts, uh, Colts are pretty intriguing, mainly because Chris Ballard, he's just never shied away from making an aggressive trade before. Like we saw with DeForest Buckner, we saw it with Carson Wentz this offseason. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to see, you know, Julio Jones traded to the Colts, Chris Ballard, you know, giving up a second, giving up maybe a third. And they also have a lot of cap space, um, which is obviously something that the Titans are struggling with. And the Titans may have to make a few restructures in order to make a Julio Jones trade happen in the first place. And then uh, finally, just topping it off, two teams in California, the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Chargers. Both of those teams are really, you know, popping out at me. Um, Niners mainly, it's just, they don't have the assets. Um, But if they're asking for a second and, you know, not, if they're not asking for a first, the Niners can make it happen. They have the cap space. Uh, Julio Jones is, would be their wide receiver one uh, next to Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, alongside George Kittle. I think they make a lot of sense. Uh, and the Chargers, obviously, you want to help Justin Herbert out. So having that trio of Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams, that's amazing for Herbert, especially with that revamped O-line. Um, so the Chargers are also an intriguing spot. But that kind of caps it for me, those are the five teams that I feel should really like make a strong push for Julio Jones and the five teams that really I could see landing him. Um, there are some outsiders, maybe the Packers, maybe the Seahawks. Rams have been in discussions, but I think the Rams pulled out a while ago. So, uh, I mean, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with it. I mean, I think they were waiting. The Falcons were waiting until today, June 1st, right, to make this trade just because I think – it would, it would help their situation out financially. So 
I'll, I'll end it there. I think those are my five teams in mind. Yeah, so Shrigar basically just went over the entire, every scenario <laughs> possible. Yes, sir. Uh, so that leaves a little bit less for us to talk about. No, I'm just kidding. I think, <laughs> so first off, as someone who, out of us three, who watches Skip and Shannon Undisputed more, I, I think I watch it more than like 95% of people that watch that show. I watch it so much. So when I found out that Julio Jones goes live on call with Shannon Sharp, who's one of my favorite TV personas, I think ever, that was just so funny, but also so, you know, a little bit, a little bit like questionable, like, cause people thought like, oh, did he not know he was live? Um, I, I don't, he wasn't really asked about, like, he didn't give a true answer. Did he know, or did he not? Uh, but towards the end, I think he kind of realized, um, but obviously, you know, people know that Julio is kind of done with Atlanta. There's, there's no like terrible, bad blood. Like it hasn't really, because Julio is a quiet guy, but when he said like, yeah, I'm out of there, I think it was pretty clear cut. But I think in regards to the landing spot, I don't know if Shrigar mentioned the Ravens. That's the one I think is the best fit. Like that, like if you get like Lamar Jackson, hasn't had a consistent number one in his three years. And obviously everyone's kind of hoping Rashad Bateman can be that. But if you get Rashad Bateman, a mentor and a clear cut wide receiver one, I mean, the sky's the limit for what Lamar Jackson can do because we've seen a guy like Stephon Diggs help Josh Allen develop. And, you know, as much as you want to bring up his MVP year, I think Lamar still needs to develop as a passer. I think there are some throws that, you know, he tends to, he tends to make that are just a bit questionable, especially on the run. Uh, you know, there were definitely some against the Bills. Uh, when I kind of watched that game again, uh, there were just a bunch of questionable throws. And I think, you know, Lamar Jackson is so talented, so great. And Julio Jones can make him that much better. And although as a Browns fan, I would not want to see that like hundred percent, please don't do it. Uh, it. It would be the best fit. Uh, I also would really love to see him on the Patriots, but I think they've got a lot of wide receivers that they brought in. Uh, I don't know. Have, I don't think they've treated uh, Nikhil Harry yet. Uh, so I think, no, but it doesn't, be, I mean, it doesn't look like with the guys they have, he's going to touch the field all that often. Exactly. I yeah. think he could be a good piece. Like if you, I mean, you could utilize him also some, give him some reps of tight, like he's huge. You could give him some reps of tight end. I mean, he was a first round pick for a reason. Uh, I think it was in that 2019 draft. So he was picked before Metcalf picked before Debo. Like they were, I mean, picked before McLaurin, like he had some value coming out of, I believe, Arizona state. So, um, you know, that could be a potential trade piece. Obviously I think they got Aguilar, uh, I'm tr- I'm forgetting who else Kendrick they picked. Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, Kendrick Bourne. Well, and then obviously Hunter Henry and, and Johnny Smith. Yeah, Johnny Smith. But no so that's clear cut wide receiver, receiver one. Yeah, exactly. They they still don't have that you know go get a guy, which is why I thought they should go after a Kenny Galladay uh, before they you know obviously made all those splurges. But uh, I think you know as Shrikar mentioned, that would be a really interesting fit with you know Cam or Mac Jones. Um, but you know the Titans too. I think. <laughs> have you guys seen the AJ Brown? uh tiktok We've seen and, uh, it. yeah <laughs> uh that's so funny like I, I mean it's not he's not gotten fined yet so hey keep tampering away but uh that would also be in, incredibly lethal and i think for a guy like ryan Tannehill, having that would be his you know by far his best receiver he's ever had so i mean that would be really cool um but i think in regards to julio himself i think we can all agree here he's a consensus top five receiver when healthy or you know you could put top, him in your top, top three. three you could even say he's the best when healthy like yeah, he, he played, he played a few games this year and he still had, I believe over 85 yards a game. So he is still that good. Um, but I'm going to try and pass it over to Jack, but I'll leave it with my final thoughts. I think for anything, for one, he is worth more than a second round pick. That is just, I'm going to probably leave it at that. And I'll let Jack, maybe if you want to respond to that and give your thoughts on it. 
Yeah, before we get into compensation, I actually have some breaking news. Uh, This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and in Canada. This new trimmer has just released just a few moments ago, and we were one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. What makes this trimmer different than all other trimmers you may ask? The Lawnmower 4.0 features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It also gives you the handy ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Also, a new multifunction on and off switch can engage a travel lock created for those road game trips. This, the 4.0 is also waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Also, did I mention wireless charging? I don't think I did. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. So what are you waiting for? Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CHT20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code CHT20. The link to Manscaped will be in our description and the pinned comment on YouTube and the episode description everywhere else. You can use the code CHT20. You can find it in the description, pinned comment, episode description. It's all there. Get yourself anything on their website like the 4.0, some awesome t-shirts, some other great products, and use our code for 20% off and free shipping. Anyways, moving on. Back to football nice a little bit. service announcement. Yeah, a great hey, service announcement. Shout out to the Manscaped team. <laughs> They've got some great stuff. You know, go to their website, shameless plug, go down there, check it out in the description, pin comment. Let us know what you guys think too in the comments, you know. Uh, but yeah, CHG20, use our code down in the description. But for Julio Jones, Anish, I know you say he's he's worth more than a second round pick, but maybe he's worth more than that as a player, but there's no chance that it's going to end up like that. Because yeah, it's, first I of agree, all, but he's worth more than that, in my opinion. You know, at his age, I'm not sure he is. See, okay. How many more I'll, seasons does Julio Jones have in him? No, no, that's, that's fair. But if if I'm a team like if like for example, LA, right? If I'm a team like LA, or actually no, go Baltimore. If I'm a team like Baltimore, I'm honestly in the cusp of you know getting to a Super Bowl. Like we've there, they should be in everyone's at least Super Bowl bubble, I think. And if you get a guy like Julio Jones, the sky's the limit for Lamar Jackson. I would give up my next year's first. I would I would, I wouldn't, I would obviously think about it, but like Lamar Julio and, you know, their running back room, I think is really good with JK Dobbins kind of leading that charge. I don't, dude, if you have a guy like Julio Jones and Rashad Bateman to cut and you put Hollywood Brown in the slot. And they have Sammy Watkins too. That's such a, uh, yeah. Sammy, I mean, Hey, after week one, he's not, I'm just kidding. (laughs) uh, I mean, no, but that receiver room, that would be so lethal. Like I would, I would, think about it and i agree with like i'm one i'm one who always argues that first round picks are extremely valuable but like julio jones even on an injury played year was still one of the most game-to-game productive receivers in the nfl so exactly no it should be a super bowl hopeful uh, as you said yeah for a first round pick that's why like when we saw potential trade packages it was all second round picks and then i think there was one team that offered a first i think it was the titans like in a bleacher report thing i saw um but I mean, if I'm Baltimore, I really think about it. And I, I don't even know why I'm advocating for this. I, I, I don't want it to happen. <laughs> you're, but. Yeah, you're pulling strong. See, but teams Baltimore, nowadays, right? they can get a guy like Rashad Bateman at the end of the first round with their first round pick. 
they're all young and they're super talented and you can hit on one like they like the Vikings did with Justin Jefferson and I think but you're well you're also bringing up a guy who had the best rookie receiver no and I and I get that but the potential is always there and with the and these receiver classes are only getting better and better I just with Julio Jones's age I'm not sure he's worth the first rounder and we'll talk about why they're not going to get that I mean with the problems that have been brewing in Atlanta they're having trouble keeping some of their players around the salary cap problems they need to offload someone's contract and people are like okay is it Julio or Matt Ryan and Uh, It looks like it's probably going to end up being Julio Jones. And on his side too, he wants out. And with that call saying, you know, I'm out of there, whether he knew it or not, it was said. And yeah, as someone who, who viewed that as we, you know, we all have a part in journalism. If Shannon Sharp didn't tell him and Julio Jones didn't know that's very wrong in my eyes, bad journalism, very bad. bad And, you know, people will raise the argument that, Julio, you know, he's good friends with Shannon. He should have known he's on air that time throughout the week, but you got to tell him. You can't and especially be prepared like, for that though. Yeah, that's, that's true. So, I mean, we, like, I think it was just a straight up call. I don't think it was necessarily planned. I mean, he wasn't questioned. Like they, no. they really didn't, you know, pursue that issue much. So, and, it, and it sounded like he was just talking to a friend, which I'm sure it, 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 got, sucks I'm it, got, sure it got squashed. I mean, cause you know, they have each other on contact. So Julio knew it was Shannon Carnick call, sorry, calling him. Uh, I mean, it wasn't, I, it didn't seem like it was planned in the segment. Uh, Cause you know, the way they construct the show, it wasn't, it didn't seem planned. So or I, I mean, I'd probably have to honestly rewatch it to like really give you a true statement because obviously like I've watched the show a lot. I know how it's kind of structured, but I mean, for Julio Jones, at least like Jack to what you were saying about how uh, teams can kind of find a receiver and that regard, I completely agree, which, but I like, you know, the Julio, at least Julio, right. And you were saying the Falcons with the cap space, I, you're like, you're right. They have to get rid of one of them. So that, I feel like that's why they won't get a first round pick, but like, you got to admit him as a player, he that's is a first. Yeah. Like yeah. him as a player, I think. I think it's just the but, situation. Yeah. It's situation bars for different things. It's kind of just, you're buying someone as opposed to first round picks. You can invest in someone for a long term, and, you know, maybe, I don't see the value there for a couple more years. I think it would depend by team. The Ravens, sure. The 49ers, no. I mean, the 49ers, yeah, no, not, with yeah. Trey Lance. The 49ers, who, for example, the Colts shouldn't do it. Titans honestly shouldn't. Uh, who else I think the Titans, the, Chargers, the Titans should. The Titans should. The Titans window is now. Yeah, it, it is now, but like you really don't like, I mean, you, in my opinion, I think they're not going to, uh, go past the second round that's probably their season. they could if they had julio jones i mean if they have yeah, julio that is true. That i mean is who true. knows um, i i'm still iffy on i i think baltimore for sure that's like my one team that i would yeah. say give up a first uh t- tennessee i'm on the cusp of because i don't know if they win that division and i don't know if they get out the first round like i think that's a team that even with julio jones i just i just don't know how much that could uplift Tannehill, a guy who's kind of you know I think he's over 30 now. Like he's not really going to get any better. Like a guy like Lamar could. I don't think it would, uh, I, I don't think it, it's more to uplift Tannehill or Lamar. It's just to uplift the offense. Yeah. The offense. That's true. I mean, no, it would be Lamar. The Ravens, it would be strictly, I mean, for the Titans, you're right. It would be the offense, but yeah, just keep in mind the Titans, they have a new offense coordinator. It's a new system. So, yeah. I mean, you obviously want to have a more complete offense. Um, it's just Josh Reynolds as your wide receiver too. It's yeah. just not, that's yeah. not ideal with he a new offensive place. I mean, place. he's honestly – he was honestly like a wide receiver four there. Like, he just didn't yeah. get that much. I mean, he was the third one, but, like, you know, Van Jefferson kind of overtook him yeah. a little bit. Uh, and and they would I, always throw the tight ends more than him. Yeah. 
Exactly. I would like to note though, Julio Jones has only played with Matt Ryan his entire career. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's going to be different. Like, I mean, like Matt Ryan has been consistently there. Like, I don't think he's had knock on wood. Like he hasn't had a major injury. So, Mm-mm. I mean, Hey, the Falcons, they at pick four, they, they basically said who they were keeping and who they were going to get rid of exactly yeah. on that, mm-hmm. that pick. That's, that's what they, cause here's the thing. I mean, you know, we had our jokes off air with me and Calvin Ridley because there was this whole thing about his fantasy football season, but I think he's got the potential to be a top 10 receiver next year. I mean, like, what is like, how about like, if we were to kind of move on, like, I know Julio Jones is eventually going to leave. I mean, what does this mean for the Falcons? Like, yeah, I was going to say that. And that void, right. How is Kyle Pitts going to do? I think they're fine. Like I, Calvin really, really showed me a lot last year, being able to do it without Julio Jones. He really stepped up. I think he had like 1300 yards. Uh, so and Atlanta was putting up points. They didn't, yeah. even when he was out. So, I mean, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts in this offense, you can line him up in the slot. He can easily kind of take over that Julio role in terms of production. He's going to be um, Julio from the slot for them. I mean, that's literally. what he's going to do. I mean, yeah, you're giving Arthur Smith, basically a guy like who's more versatile than AJ Brown and arguably more talented. Like, you know, they would line up AJ Brown a lot in different places. And you're talking about I, Kyle Pitts being Pitts more talented? Yeah. I think Kyle um, Pitts is 10 times more talented yeah. than AJ Brown. I mean, yeah, Kyle like Pitts might be the most talented wide receiver or, you know, receiving. Well, obviously prospect. we got to see how it translates to the NFL. Yeah. So I can't no, like but talent, talent doesn't talent. Isn't something that needs like to train. Like you have talent, whether you're in college fair, or the NFL, fair, fair. You have talent. I mean, I, I still want to see like how he would, I mean, obviously like at least in college and what he was able to do, he was definitely way more talented. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think he's, and he's also more versatile in my opinion, but AJ Brown was used a lot of places and you're giving him basically a bigger, arguably stronger and faster guy in Kyle Pitts. So. Arguably more strong, arguably stronger. I don't know. No, arguably he's definitely stronger. <laughs> he's definitely stronger. What I meant to say was arguably faster. Cause I think, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't see that, but I mean, I've got a, as we're moving into giving more content, one of the things that I know I'm working on is, is a film review for Kyle Pitts with the Falcons. So I'm not going to try and spoil too much, but all I'll say is, you know, they'd be losing a big red zone threat in Julio Jones and Kyle Pitts. I think you could argue is a bigger red zone threat than, yeah. than Julio. Sure. I mean, you could argue. Yeah. Then who I was going to say that. Yeah. Like Julio was honestly, Julio was never like that quote unquote red zone guy. Like he never, you know, filled up the stat sheet when he came I think to on stat. a different team, he could be that, you know, yeah, yeah. I think a team that's really rely on him a little bit it. more. The Falcons run would like run the ball out in the red zone, and and you know, Devontae Julio's Fred, a big yeah. distractor in the red zone. Like he he's yeah. he's kind of distracting people away from guys like Calvin Ridley, or mm-hmm. you know, running the ball or throwing a Tevin Coleman out of the backfield, like went back when they used to do that. And so, I think to close this off a little bit, the Falcons, I think they'll be fine without Julio Jones. I think Kyle Pitts is surplus for them, but with, without Julio there, he's he's able to fill a bigger role. Um, so, and, and then obviously for whoever, t- whichever team gets Julio Jones, they're getting a top five, arguably top three, possibly arguably top one wide receiver in the league for the next probably two or three years. Yeah. I mean, so there's certain teams that that fits that fits guys like the Ravens that fits in my opinion, the, the Titans, it doesn't however fit the 49ers. I don't think it fits the chargers maybe fits the Colts, but I would argue probably uh, not. I don't know. I, um, I'm banking think, on a Pittman breakout year. So, well, you're also banking on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Yeah. Opening the window. <laughs> <That's more important. laughs> if you give Carson Wentz, Julio Jones, I'm like, that's, that would be his best receiver by like, he'd be the happiest man landslides. in the world. And he should break him to win MVP close, again. Close. Yeah, no, I, I won't make me pick him to win MVP, but it would definitely make me a lot more confident in him having a better year than Dak Prescott. 
Oh yeah, if you guys missed our last episode, we talked about hot takes. Yeah, that was one of Anish's hot takes we disagreed with personally. Yeah, but we're, hey, we're keeping on the hype train. I, okay, I but before we finish it up, I want to hear everyone's prediction. So I, I'll go. I'll say, I honestly like my the my Google doesn't really want to let me speak. Nice, um, but no. Sorry for the distraction. I think that. My best fit is probably the Ravens. I think I would agree with you there, Anish. Predict it's really hard to predict any of these teams. And, yeah. and you know, I'll stick since I believe they're the best fit, I think I'll go with the Ravens wanting to improve, getting Lamar another weapon, as well as distracting some people from Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. And their window is now. And I think that kind of with their defense they're going to have to eventually let some people go both on offense they're not going to be able to keep everyone and some people are aging so i think that their their window is now and it would allow lamar jackson uh, just another weapon to help them in the playoffs as well where julio does have experience so i i'm going to go with them as a prediction but really i think it's anyone's game at the moment Mm -hmm. Uh, best fit i'll agree with you there i'll say baltimore prediction i'm actually going to say tennessee i think they get some restructures done um, and i think they're going to be willing to depart with some picks for Julio Jones, and obviously that'll make them a you know a truly complete offense. Um, it's just they seem to have everything like in place for Julio except cap space, and honestly, cap space is the one thing that you know I'm least worried about. Um, obviously, assets are higher than that, so I think I think the Titans would be my prediction, but Julio and Baltimore would be a great fit. I can't disagree with that. Yeah, so one thing, I think Shrikar kind of mentioned it, but he didn't elaborate. The whole thing with the financial situation after June 1st is that there's less dead money. That the yeah. So that's uh, that's why Atlanta was waiting. Uh, best fit, yeah, as I said earlier, I think it's Baltimore. Uh, for prediction, oh, man, that's tough. I, I really don't want to say Baltimore, so I'm not going to. <laughs> um, I It would be really interesting to see uh, him in uh, Tennessee. I, I want the Pats. Uh, just personally, I want Cam Newton to have that type of weapon. Um, but prediction, I think Tennessee, I mean, you know, it's been thrown out in the media a lot. I think it would be, you know, very, it would be really cool to see AJ Brown's quote unquote tampering work. Uh, <laughs> so that'd be really funny. Uh, and obviously Derek Henry's from Alabama, they were working out together. So uh, yeah, I think Tennessee would be my prediction. Uh, again, it's a very, it's a big long shot. It's hard to predict these things. I mean, every team should be, and at least should have made a call. Uh, in regards to who do your due diligence. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I think, yeah, that's going to kind of wrap it up on that side. I'm honestly a little bit surprised that the Browns aren't one of these teams. Oh, can I give you my, you should have really mentioned quick? them. I immediately when Julio Jones, the whole news came out, I said that we should think about going after him and getting rid of Odell. Like, yeah, that, I, like it's, it's an easy, because like Odell, Odell and Landry Odell. are gone after this year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or even flip Landry. No, 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 2023, I believe. I, okay. I think 2023. So they're for, heading into their final years next year. Yeah, I think so. Or Landry might be 2022, but Odell, I think is 2023. I Like I was saying this, I told you guys, I think they should, I mean, I don't know if they should trade Odell to the Falcons. You're right. You guys kind of shut that down yeah. that idea. I mean, I still think they could, cause I think uh, Odell's contract is kind of similar. And they he's could. a lot like Ridley though. I don't, I'm not sure how interested the Falcons would be in that. Yeah, that's true. But I, I mean, you know, it could be a resurgence, right. With Matt Ryan and stuff. I mean, a guy yeah. like Odell, but. Yeah, I thought the Browns, if they they could get him, like that would be really really interesting. But it would have to be on the on the expense of Odell because the two contracts would not work. I mean, you have to true. get 
Odell's would leave, right? And actually Julio's is cheaper. So that's why I was all for it. Like I, I thought we should definitely, you know, at least be in talks, but something, I don't know. It's just Brown's fan base and uh, the front office are very invested in Odell's comeback. I, I personally am not like, I mean, contrary to popular belief amongst the Browns community, I just don't want Baker Mayfield to go again in this trap. I just don't want him to fall in that. And what was working last year was him not being there. So, I mean, and I don't know who Leo Jones is going to be the same effect. So, you know, I would personally, I personally wanted to just trade Odell and have Landry Higgins and uh, uh, DPJ be our receiver court. But that was my take on the Browns for in case you guys want. So our next topic, we mentioned it earlier. Todd Gurley is visiting with the Lions. He visited earlier these, these last couple of weeks, which is, you know, interesting because Jared Goff is with the Rams. They played well together, but also because the Lions already have a pretty good running back room. I know they dropped carry on Johnson, but with DeAndre Swift there, they've got a pretty good, they've got some pretty good backs. Um, and so we've realized this is kind of signaling a new trend in the NFL. And I'll open the floor for you guys to talk about it, but teams like the Browns, the Colts, the Jags, bring in multiple running back ones into their room, whether that's, you know, because the, running backs a volatile position where they they do get hurt and careers are pretty short or whether they want to just have a lot of weapons in the backfield i mean kareem hunt and nick chubb are running back ones on so many teams across the nfl but they're both with the browns and the jaguars already had james robinson but they draft travis etienne and the colts with last year they had naeem hines and marlon mack but they still draft jonathan taylor and they're all very capable backs um so i want you guys to talk a little bit about you know, Todd Gurley visiting with the Lions, but mostly the trend that this is kind of signifying and signaling in the NFL. Well, as you said, there's a mold. And I'm kind of thinking back to last season when the Bucks picked up Leonard Fournette. And yeah. I don't know if it was on the podcast or we were discussing who was going to get, you know, how many snaps, like who, wh- what was the load going to be like? And the Bucks like made it so perfect that both of them kind of got that starting role. Like Mm -hmm. there was no clear cut running back one. Maybe you could say playoff Lenny, but really like Ronald Jones was, you know, a key factor in that offense. Yeah. It was pretty split. Like, or at least one was no. And that's when you bring two running back ones into an offense, because I believe Ronald Jones could have held his own as a running back one that year. If you bring two running back ones and you split it, then magic can happen there because that running game ultimately, you know, led them to the Super Bowl and helped them win the Super Bowl. So I think teams are trying, they're starting to pick up on that because every Super Bowl winner or every team that finds success, like we see a lot of teams just kind of follow some kind of trend that they not necessarily set, but popularized might be the word I'm looking for. Um, So, I mean, Todd Gurley visiting the lions, Deandre Swift is still pretty young. Um, and bringing in Todd Gurley, uh, I think he can be a great mentor for DeAndre Swift. And not only that, um, if you want to split the workload, I think Detroit is starting to build something there that's reminiscent of the Bucks running game. Um, and I think it could work, honestly, because Todd Gurley still has, you know, he's still got game left in the tank. Um, he's not he's not done. Um, so honestly, when I see these teams like the Jags, when they pick up ETN or, you know, the Browns have already established it with Chubb and Hunt. I kind of think back to the Bucks and how much success they found, you know, off of two running back ones splitting the workload and, you know, how much that helped them drive that Super Bowl run. Um, and I think it can be so important for an offense because run game, you know, it's going to be more and more valued over time. 
I mean, I don't. I even go further back. I think there are two teams that you forgot to mention. One is the 2019 Niners, and the other was the 2017 Eagles. Okay, here's the thing about the because, Niners. No, but no, it's not think... running back ones. It's not even about that. It's it's about running. It's not even. It's kind of a running back by committee thing, mm-hmm. and they're just. I think people are just using more talented running backs. No, but sure. I think that that's. Yeah. That's where it stems from, but the recent trend that's going on now is multiple running back ones, which is why I brought up. Well, I I think it's like weird to like say it like that because it's just like you're you're trying to collect the best running back possible to put in your committee. Like I think that's just what it is. Like if I would much rather have Kareem Hunt as my second running back than like Tevin Coleman, like that that would just be yeah. And that's exactly. because he, it's because it he's, stemmed he's like, from that and grew into something else. That's they're what I'm they're to investing say. in multiple running back ones. Like exactly. Yeah. The old trend used to be like wide receiver cores. You got your wide receiver one, your wide receiver two, your wide receiver three. You're talking now about teams that have multiple wide receiver ones. You mentioned that you don't even have uh, Justin Jefferson over Adam Thielen yet, and they're yeah. both easily I, I think, wide yeah, receiver like, ones. Like, they're both wide. Yeah, they're building yeah. wide receiver cores. Look at Ripley, the, look Julio, at the Seahawks and just at the Falcons and Metcalf, yeah. both yeah. wide receiver so, ones and. I, I agree. I think it, it's, inter- I mean, it's just all, honestly a, a, a reflection of how talent is just evolving in the NFL. I think it's just, I think that's one big thing, but yeah, like, as you were saying with Todd Gurley, I, I was actually still like a believer in him. I remember we were talking about like how he's, he was still kind of productive in his last year in LA. I remember saying this, this was before Atlanta. Uh, so, I mean, obviously he had a down year in Atlanta. He, you know, was still battling that injury just didn't like play well. Uh, or at least up to the expectations of at least what, you know, people could have thought. Um, but with Detroit, I mean, this is going to be a weird running back room. Cause you know, it's ironic. I actually compared Travis Etienne to Deandre Swift in my running back video. And a lot of people kind of questioned the comparison, but then when I kind of explained it, they were like, Oh, okay, good explanation. That's why they play really similar. Uh, so I think it would be a really interesting backfield, like say they get him right. Obviously golf and girly. Sure. That's a good, uh, you know, chemistry, but I want to see how DeAndre Swift develops. I think he's got a lot of potential and it would be really weird to, you know, see, because like you said, running backs have a short fuse. They it's hard to utilize them for a long period of time, but this whole running back by committee, or at least multiple running back ones, however, whatever you want to call it, it's great because running backs have fresh legs in this situation. Then you don't always have to necessarily ride a, you know, bell cow running back because not everyone is Derrick Henry. Not everyone gets better as the game goes on or, or Nick, Chubb, even Nick Chubb to some extent, like he gets better as the game goes on, but not every running back can just take, you know, 28, 30 touches a game and be consistently great at each touch. So, you know, this whole running back by committee or running back one, it's actually back in, you know, the old days, right? They had the flanker and like the fullback, right? In, you know, old NFL offenses, they had two people in the backfield. Yeah. A lot of offenses are re, you know, establishing that. Uh, But except, you know, same position as a halfback, tailback, that type of thing with uh, two, you know, separate running backs. I think it's a great, uh, you know, trend that we're seeing because it makes offenses so much more productive. And it also makes the running back, at least, you know, it's more fresh, more fresh legs, right? Like, you know, for receivers who have to play 75 to hundred percent of the snaps, you can see them get tired. You can see them not run the route as crisp, uh, crisp or not being able to, you know, uh, beat press coverage or, you know, essentially get off the line of scrimmage as quickly, but with running backs, right. If you put a fresh one in, you know, third, fourth quarter, can a linebacker who's going to probably play 75 to hundred percent of the snaps, he's not going to be able to, you know, contain a Travis ATN who's fresh in the fourth quarter. Like you, you're not going to contain that type of speed. So that's so lethal for a lot of offenses. And I think it's a great trend that we're seeing. I, I think just girl, this lines being interested in girly just, just kind of reflects what we're talking about right now. 
Yeah, I think it's great for everyone except fantasy owners, especially yeah. of people who have like yeah. dynasty leagues with DeAndre Swift. But I think the interesting thing about the Bucks, Shrikar, is the way they kind of used the two is Ronald Jones was kind of the lead starter back throughout the entire regular season. And then they shifted in the playoffs and they gave yep. Leonard Fournette, who was way fresher. They kind of rode the hot hand. Also, Jones got injured. So it was they a did, bit but of like, but, but, but being able to do that, they had fresh legs in the playoffs. Cause I think yeah. it was, you could see there was a little bit more of the shift to Leonard Fournette. And even if it yep. was based off injury, he was more fresh and he was able to take over in the playoffs. I also think it shows what kind of backs are a little bit more valuable in the playoffs, which are the experienced runners. And also I think power running is just a little bit more important because the, the game will slow down. The game, the game will slows slow down, down and down you need playoffs. those one it's or two yards. Weather. Yeah, speed yeah. won't speed and all speed back won't really do. No, and, and back you and just literally as a perfect case study of that, look on look at the goal line uh, during the Super Bowl. I mean, Ronald Jones couldn't punch it in, but Leonard Fournette, big bruiser back, is able to get into the end yeah. zone. I mean, like I think I mean, that- I can't even name like the last time an elusive back really took over. I mean, you could argue Damian Williams, right? Yeah, but say, he I mean, didn't. Like, but did he really? Christian McCaffrey in the indoor game? stadium like four years ago. That game performance always just stands out to me. Uh, but like, I, I really can't remember. Like, you're right. It's power running because colder weather. You need those one or two yards. They're going to get it for you, right? You can give it to those type of running backs. And I think with the Bucks specifically, they kind of wrote like I remember because I had both of them in fantasy. Yeah. It was so ironic. Like one guy would go off and they'd ride the hot hand. Then Leonard Fournette would go off. They try and ride that hot hand. So. Uh, you know, it just gave the Bucks a lot of versatility. For the Browns, they do it differently. They uh, they do this. You know, Hunt is a third round back, and then uh, sorry, third down back, uh, and then they'll do you know passing situations, that type of thing. Uh, Niners definitely did it by like a huge committee, and they're trying to bring another committee in this year, right? I think they yeah. drafted two running backs. Trey cards. Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I don't know what they're you know what's brewing over there, but it it looks it looks similar to what they're uh, what the Ravens kind of did too, right? With Gus Edwards. Mark Ingram. And it's not uh, only a committee, like there's still, it's, it's depth yeah. more yeah. than anything. Cause Jeff Wilson just went on IR. So, so, I mean, um, you know, it's like the running back, I think it just goes to show that the running back position, it, it like the position itself is, you know, obviously very heavy usually utilized, but like the running back players are easily replaced and just have a short fuse. I think that's like when Jack, when Jack gives his whole running back spell, I think that's what he's trying to say. Not the mm-hmm. like position, but like no, the, I mean, the running back position to an offense is very important, but a singular running back, you, you don't want to put here. all your money. You can draft one in the one second round back. if you want. Yeah. You're still going to go after a guy like Todd Gurley. They're just so. So, it's so easy for them to get injured. Like, I mean, out of all the positions, I mean, you know, because the quarterback's going to get, you know, hurried, you know, a, a little bit often. Sure. Get sacked, you know, Mac. I mean, like on average, two to three times a game. OK, but a running back gets hit. Every time they touch the ball, like At full speed, almost. plus yeah, the risk like of non-contact. So it's it's full contact every time, and yep. especially in between the tackles, it's really really you know big blows. So, I mean, there's it's very easy to get injured for a running back. I mean, like I mean, we've seen it happen so many times to you know even the best of the best. So, and like a guy like Saquon Barkley, right? We're still unsure is he you know I mean two this is two big injuries now. So. Right. Like this could be very, uh, you know, devastating long term. I mean, like we don't even know. So it's it sucks to have these running back questions. But I mean, it's I think it's a good trend that we're seeing. Yeah. And then to move on to our final topic of the day, a lot of Bears fans are really excited about what they have in Justin Fields. But 
Jay Cutler saying they should maybe slow their break or like, you know, hit the brakes a little bit, slow their roll. He thinks that the Bears should not start Fields week one, which, you know, after they drafted him, it, it was kind of just assumed Justin Fields week one starter for the Bears. But Jay Cutler believes they should, uh, I think, to directly quote him, just let him watch. Uh, he said when I was uh, I forget exactly where it was. It was an ESPN, I think it was podcast episode, um, but he, he was, was radioing that. He was saying that it's like, he's like, what is 10 games? You know, what's, what's going to go wrong if you just sit him down for 10 games? Because Cutler admits during his rookie season, he was not prepared. He didn't know what was going on. It's, this was all very new to him. And he thinks that sending rookie QBs in with, into a bad situation can ruin them forever. And, and maybe he doesn't yeah. believe in the offensive line. Maybe he doesn't believe in, in the weapons uh, or, the, or the coach in, in Chicago. But I think that, you know, to move on, what do you guys think, first of all, about what Jay Cutler said? Um, but about the situation yourself, do you think that Justin Fields should start week one? Do you think he shouldn't start this whole season? Where are you on that range from week one to week 16? And you guys can let us know down in the comment section as well. But Trigger, why don't you start us off? Well, see, with Jay Cutler, I kind of understand where he's coming from. Because with this whole question of when will Fields start, it really depends on who you ask. My only problem with sitting him for, what, 10 games, he said? Mm-hmm. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are under a lot of pressure. Yep. So 10 games, it's just... Well, why don't you elaborate? Their, jo- their jobs are on the line this season. Like, unless... It, it depends on when, when field starts, obviously. But if you're going to start Andy Dalton for the first 10 games, I'd, I'd say your job's on the line. Um, so if I'm the Bears, I think it all comes down to training camp. I think if Fields comes into training camp and shows that he's just as good as Dalton or even better... I say start him. Just give him just give him the keys to the offense. I'd say have confidence in the guy you traded up to draft and you gave up all these assets for, especially when you're being pressured by Bears fans. You're being pressured by the media. Obviously, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy aren't going to pay a lot of attention to that because it's what they internally believe is right for their organization. But you again, you traded up, you gave away valuable assets. And you're, you're going to sit him for 10 games, especially when, you know, you could be fired by the end of the year. That is not a risk that, you know, I, you know, I I'd take, I would, if it all depends on training camp, as I said, if he comes in, if fields comes in and outplays Dalton or shows that he is right on Dalton's level, I say, have faith in him and start him. And I know week one against the Rams, it's a tough place. So if you wanted to wait a little bit, I'd say week four against Detroit is the prime place to start him. But I mean, I just throw him in week one. If you're really going to do that, just because it's, those are still valuable reps against one of the NFL's best defenses. I still think it's a good place to start him. I still think it's a good place for him to learn. Um, Although it will be a little rough. I think that's just part of growing pains, but honestly, it, it, as I said, training camp, just keep your eyes out on training camp. There was a lot to unpack. I, I think, I mean, okay, first off, I would never say like week four is when you start because then that puts like to the quarterback that's starting, you're basically saying, hey, you only have three weeks. So that's that I disagree with. Like, I think do a timeline, like even with when Tua randomly, you know, got put in, or at least the media kind of found out randomly that Tua was going to start. There was definitely something brewing over time. It wasn't no, I'm just saying if Dalton start. is under, if Dalton is underperforming in those first three yeah, but weeks. We, yeah, I, I, okay, I get that. But yeah, like you shouldn't say like week four is... When you start and then okay uh for justin fields at least for this what jay cutler is saying 
I actually like contrary to like a lot of what Bears fans are thinking, I actually agree with what Cutler's saying because here's why. Like, or at least you know, 10 games is just an example. But I mean, you know, this narrative, I'm pretty sure all three of us were would hate on the Chiefs for what they did because what they did was they traded up to 10 spots to get Patrick Mahomes. And then, you know, everyone was like, why? They just made the playoffs. Alex Smith was doing fine, right? And then they weren't going to play him. So this is the same narrative we're getting thrown out. Now, I'm not going to say Justin Fields is going to do what Patrick Mahomes did. I'm not saying that. But they're doing a similar path. And I, 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 like, you're right. Week one against the Rams, this is a whole thing about confidence. Like, if you throw him in there and he absolutely does terrible, think about what's going to happen. Like, you know the media is going to rush to it. It's just how it is. I know some, some will actually, like, you know, pump the brakes and say, Hey, it's one game, but you know, what's going to happen. It's going to be a huge hit on his confidence. And obviously that is a huge place to play in. And it's a very tough place to play in because the Rams are a primetime game too. Yeah. They're a certified bona fide contender and you're throwing him into this fire with against a ferocious defense, albeit they lost some players. You're still going to have to go against Aaron Donald with an offensive line. That's still rebuilding. That's one thing. And if you sit him for 10 games, look at the quarterbacks that have succeeded. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes both sat at least the majority of their uh, rookie years before they got their first Patrick Mahomes was obviously the garbage time game in week 17 and Lamar was uh, 10 games out. So, you know, at least a little bit of the time to learn it. Right. And OTAs are still not fully in session, right? Like the voluntary ones, a lot of people are missing them uh, a lot of key players. So that's one thing. And also I think training camp, even if he does really well, like for example, Baker Mayfield did really well in training camp. He was still uh, presented as the backup role. Same thing with Justin Herbert. So Training camp, I doubt, will have that much of an impact. I think they've already kind of put their plan in place. Uh, uh, I think the third thing is what you were saying, Ryan Pace and uh, Matt Nagy are on the hot seat. I actually don't think so. Like, I, think I, agree with Pace, you. I agree with you. Because here's what he did. He bought himself time by yeah. picking fields. Because That's what happened, why I'm saying it depends on fields' development. No, 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 but not the first year. Mm-hmm. Because even if fields sucks, you can just say it was a bad rookie year. You have time. You, and this is by far the most talented quarterback that Matt Nagy has. So that bought them enough time. Also, the end of last year, I don't care what you say, they had a really good end towards last year. They were five and seven. They won uh, three of their last four. And Trubisky was actually really solid. Like the Bears had actually one of the best offenses. According to analytics and according to paper, they did. And they made the playoffs. So, uh, sorry, Pace and Nagy bought themselves a lot of time, or at least a decent amount of time. Yeah, and especially if they sit if they sit fields for a while, that means that like, if, if they fire him after he's only played a couple games, that means that all of that development, it's gone to waste because they're just going yeah, to install. Now he has to well, but here's the thing. We've seen how Nagy developed Trubisky. So what if, so what if we see that same path with fields? But they, they won't fire him after a year. Yeah. You, you wouldn't do that. Like even with Herbert, they really didn't want to like, and it's not just Nagy. It's Ryan Pace too. No, but pay, yeah, but I think it's really it's a tough it's a tough call because at five and seven they were like okay Pace and Nagy are essentially out the door, but then they had this resurgence and then pay say what you want I thought the trade was good I thought yeah. the trip what they did they I did, thought the trade was good it's good for it's good for Pace too yeah especially, especially because they Pace, nailed their first two picks the like I think you know worst case scenario the pick I mean fine it's not going to be you know that that good like what the Giants are getting so uh, and you also only give up like a fourth and a fifth for a potential franchise changer so. I, I thought the trade was fine and also bought them time like that. That was one thing. And we can't deny this is Nagy's most talented guy. Like, I mean, he yeah. won coach of the year in 2018 as a first year head coach. Right. Like, and we usually see a lot of young head coaches, at least the trend is, is that they win it. Um, but that was Trubisky's second year. He did make the pro bowl, albeit <laughs> a little bit, you know uh, what do you call it? Outlandish. 
Yeah, but um, yeah. <laughs> he had a good year. Like, say what you want. He had a pretty good year. So I think Nagy with Fields would be really interesting, and you can't deny the weapons that he has. Uh, but I there was one part of the quote too, Jack. I don't know if you mentioned it, but he said like Andy Dalton would be serviceable, or at least yeah, I think serviceable. Serviceable. Sorry. So, I mean, I can I honestly like agree with that. Like Andy Dalton isn't like a scrub. Like he he played pretty well down the stretch for Dallas too. He went four and two. He had a good. Uh, I think he had the same touchdown to interception ratio as Dak. So, uh, in those. Uh, but it's the Dallas offense versus the Chicago offense. I mean the weapons. I guess uh, Robinson and Mooney. Running backs, I mean, it's uh, not as good as O-line, Dallas. O-line is honestly similar because Dallas had a lot of injuries. So I, I would, and Dalton's used to the cold weather in Cincinnati. So I would, I would honestly say, I think it's not as big of a transition as you're making it out to be. I, I mean, I personally think like Dalton's Dalton or fields, neither is going to take this team over the top first year. Like, no, it's, it'll take time. It'll take time. Yeah. But I, and I think that's, that's where I'm actually going to change my point. I actually agree with you guys now. Uh, you've convinced me that Nagy and pace aren't on the hot seat, but well, More so, actually, actually no. they could pace be on the, could hot, be on the seat, hot seat, but they're not. But they're not going to get fired. No, not after this. They're year. not going to yeah, get fired. Exactly. They bought them some, because, like, at five and seven. I mean, and obviously, you know, like Jack and I are good friends with Chris. We're I've been uh, I've talked a lot with like the Bears community. Like they wanted him gone so bad at that point, right? Because they lost six in a row, I believe, after going five and one. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was a bad time, right? But um, what do you call it? like they they honestly turned it around and said okay we're kind of buying into this whole Chicago narrative. I mean, like they, they have starred for a quarterback. Like, have you guys seen the Jersey sales? Yeah. Three of the top five are yeah, it's all fields. Of Justin Fields jerseys. Like that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we're in kind of a dead time and you know, the dead time in the NFL season, it, it sucks or in the NFL year, it sucks. Well, it makes I, sense. Cause one is the last time the bears had a true franchise. Exactly, right. Yeah. yeah. And oh, the Nickelodeon so, MVP actually. Yeah. Flash MVP quarterback. Right. Yeah. So, like, you know, ever like Rex Grossman and Mitch Trubisky, Jay Cutler, they're all these big, but I've always brought this up, but yeah. like, you know, feels that brings a different, you know, they out. were never franchise guys. Yeah. But I mean, to kind of conclude what I was saying, right. Like just, I, I also think Dalton, you know, you should throw him out there. Like, I think he should start week one because yeah, he's probably going to get destroyed by that Rams team. Uh, and, you know, it just kind of adds to the narrative that, okay, Fields is going to take over at some point but it shouldn't be now because if field starts to fail, that's a huge confidence letdown. We've seen it happen with guys like Josh Rosen. Um, and that's the biggest, uh, Sam Donald is another guy, right? Like those two from the 2018 class. It's just, it's, it's bad for mechanics and it's bad for confidence in general. I mean, we know fields can handle the pressure obviously coming from, uh, you know, a power, a big powerful program, but uh, I just, I mean, you know, the NFL atmosphere is very different. So I'll pass it on to Jack, but yeah, those are my, my thoughts. No, I also agree with what Cutler's saying, but not in this situation. I think it applies very well to a lot of other situations. And I've talked about this before. I've, uh, I've been very vocal that I think that you should not draft a rookie quarterback and play the rookie quarterback unless yeah. you have other things in place. Unless you're ready for one, you shouldn't take one. Do you think and Trey Lance should? Do you think Trey Lance should? No, uh, or well, like, do I think the situation is no there? exactly? That's Cutler the, just, what. What Cutler's describing is Trey Lance's situation with San no, Francisco. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that in a little bit, but so I don't think that if you don't have a situation in place, you shouldn't you know play a rookie quarterback. Um, like like I've talked about the Sam Darnold, the situation he came into, and same with Josh Rosen, and same with other examples that that you can talk about. They weren't the situations were not conducive to having a rookie quarterback around, especially in week one of an NFL season, yeah. like that they should not have played and they shouldn't honestly like 
I, I would argue like Miami, I, I don't know if they should have drafted Tua last year. I think like you, you pick other people and, and you get other things in place and you take Justin Fields this year. And like you wait until you have a developed, you know, franchise tackle, you have a developed wide receiver one or wide receiver two, and you've got, you know, the head coach in place, the Jets and the Cardinals at those times really didn't have any of those, but the bears, like that, that's why I don't understand what Cutler is saying maybe he's not confident in what he sees, or maybe he just hasn't been paying a lot of attention to the bears, but I think Matt Nagy is still a good coach. And mm-hmm. I think that like it was Trubisky that let him down. I think they've got great weapons, David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen out of the backfield and Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet and Allen Robinson. And their offensive line is above average. Uh, it's average yeah. to above average. It's I, I would, oh, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'm it's below bad. average. I definitely don't. And they've Jenkins, got Tevin Daniels, Jenkins coming in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I again, but like, you know, rookie tackle. And then, I mean, besides Cody Whitehair, I believe. Or, James I Daniels mean, is one of the, like, Cody Whitehair, James guards, Daniels. Like, um, it's they've an, got three of the They five. don't have a good center. It's an no, like, Bears fans are also, you know, not happy with what, you know, they kind of, like, at least with the full offensive line. Not happy. They're happy with Tevin. I know I would be too. But I think the line is okay. But when you've got a good coach and you've got great weapons and an okay line, I do think that that situation is conducive to having a guy, a rookie quarterback like Justin Fields around. And you bring up the thing with Trey Lance and, and Anisha, you brought up Mahomes and Lamar, but Mahomes and Lamar were far more raw quarterback prospects than Justin Fields is. And I think those are the kind of guys that even if the situation is in place, those are the guys you, you step back and, and you let them play. And you know who is that guy? That's Trey Lance. I mean, Trey Lance is that level of raw like Lamar Jackson was and Patrick right. Mahomes yep. was. Mm-hmm. And so even though the Niners situation right now is great for a rookie quarterback to come into, Trey Lance needs the time to sit. I don't think Justin Fields needs that time. And, you know, Jay Cutler talked about it like he didn't understand. And, uh, you know, Jay Cutler and, and Justin Fields are completely different people. Like, I know Jay Cutler wants to bring his own personal opinion into things and his personal experiences, but he's not Justin Fields and Justin Fields isn't Jay Cutler. So, like... I know we don't know what's going on inside Justin Fields' head or whether he thinks he's prepared, but I think it's – you can't just throw a blanket statement out there like Jay Cutler by saying, like, you know, I was really confused when I played, and so Justin Fields will be too. And so I think that when it comes to that, you need to have a situation that's conducive to bringing in a rookie quarterback, and you need to make sure that if that guy is, you know, I don't NFL ready enough to play – and so I think that the Bears have that situation in place. And I think that Justin Fields isn't a raw prospect that needs that much time uh, to play. And the final point I want to make is, you know, Justin Fields for his entire life has been an absolute star. He's been, he was, I, I believe, the number one ESPN 300 quarterback out of high school. Uh, it was, it, no, T-Law was one. It was, mm. it was by point zero 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 one. Uh, not but, on ESPN. Trevor Lawrence was a lower-rated prospect than Justin Fields. He was Justin okay, Fields so was, was not the another number. Ma- I think it was. It might have been Max Preps or something because they had like a point zero zero one. But Justin Fields coming out of high, coming out of high school, number one recruit, goes to Georgia. It doesn't work out there, and immediately after you know not playing one season in Georgia and being behind Jake Fromm, he's out of there. He yeah. transferred away to Ohio State, and he and after that, you know, Heisman hopeful drafted this high in the draft. There was one time in his in his career where he was told, you know, no, you're going to wait. And that did not go well. He transferred out of the school. I mean, these guys, if you if you tell them, yeah, sorry, you're not going to start week one. What does that do to a guy's confidence? I mean, especially 
a prodigy goes, like Justin Fields. And I know I, it goes different. Like two points. I, I agree with you on the Trey Lance thing, but I think Justin Fields is a little bit different because I was actually going to bring up his college career in the sense that like he's had to like learn, he's had to like learn different things, right? Like in how you're saying Jay Cutler and Justin Fields are different. Like I think Justin Fields is actually like a better, like he has more IQ, football IQ. Like he had to learn a whole new system with Ohio State and right out the gate was able to come out, uh, come out on top. I mean, it's a pretty easy system to learn. Yeah, it is an easy system, but I, I thought he was very productive. Like he was by far the most productive Ohio State quarterback in the last decade with it, two years. Dwayne uh, Haskins so, was pretty damn productive. It doesn't mean he was good. I'd say yeah. Fields was better than Haskins. I know, but yeah, I'm saying like he's more talented. You can't yeah. deny. That, no, definitely. Right? Yeah. So, but I think for Fields too, I think the confidence itself also works the other way, right? Like with a with a you know very harsh uh, city in Chicago, right? Like if he starts, you know, kind of failing, it's pressure. All it automatically go. Oh, he's not the answer. Like you, you, we just don't know because this is the first time again. Like I'm saying, like Chicago usually doesn't pick this low in any draft. They're always kind of mediocre, so they really don't get this type of pick, right? And we saw what happened with Trubisky. I mean, there was a lot of expectation and a lot of flop. So, and it was honestly after the second, uh, second after two and a half years, people were calling for his job already. So, I mean, even after the rookie year, people were massively disappointed because of what Deshaun Watson. I was able to do so I think with Justin Fields right and especially in another draft with a lot of quarterbacks who are going to have a lot of chances right that that's going to start coming up so I think give him some time and like I said I think Dalton can win you some games I think the Bears if the Bears go you know four and six in those ten I would honestly I, I wouldn't be that mad at that right like I mean and Fields starts week 11 let's say Dalton has a couple of bad games I mean would you be happy with a four and six record I, I would honestly you know with Andy Dalton I don't know if Justin Fields does better than that so uh, I think in that regard, right, at least it gives Justin Fields. Yeah, he doesn't start week one. You're right. Like in terms of the Georgia transfer, sure. Right. You know, Fields would probably not be that happy, but it would honestly be I think it would be better for him long term. I think he, it would give him more time to really learn the system, really get more acclimated with the offense, give him some first team reps. You don't have to fully you know, take him out from it. Uh, but right, like you can over time get more first team reps. We saw that with Tua. Uh, we're uh, we saw that with um, oh, what's it? Uh, what's his face? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. So like uh, we've seen, you know, first team. Even Baker Mayfield had first team reps uh, his rookie year. So I think that's what they should do. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I think Jay Cutler, at least in that regard, is kind of right. But, but you're right. Like those two are different quarterbacks, and I think Justin Fields would kind of adjust to a Bears playbook a little bit easier. At the end of the day, as I said in the beginning, it just depends on who you ask. Everyone yeah. has like a different, you know, yeah. thought on this. So, and the Bears know Justin Fields better than we do. I mean, they probably know with with interviews and and him just being around the building, what kind of thing he'd respond to better. Whether that's you know, yeah. it what you know, which ones he's going to respond to better? The media, you know, dogging on him because he lost week one to the Rams, or them saying, you know, what you're going to wait, like we're not starting you week one. They know we. I mean, as of now, the best we can make is an educated guess, or you know, an analytically, you know, talked about <laughs> thing using you know past examples. Like we don't obviously know Justin Fields' personality. Unfortunately, we've never had the opportunity to talk to him. Um, but we want to know what you guys think down in the comment section. For me, I mean, I agree with what Jay Cutler said, but I don't think it's best applied in this situation. And I think that there's definitely many ways to go about it. Maybe I agree that he shouldn't, that Deshaun or not Deshaun, Justin Fields shouldn't start week one, but I, I don't think it's for the reasons Cutler said, but those reasons definitely do apply 
to other scenarios. So I think it's kind of just this, all this, this big knot that we're not going to be able to untie the Chicago bears are hoping that they're able to untie it. And, you know, while we like to talk about it here, they probably are the best equipped to know, you know, the best way to handle it because they know what they want in their offense. They know what they want from fields and they know more about fields than we do. But down in the comments, if you're on YouTube, let us know whether you think fields should start week one or not. Uh, let us know who you think Julio Jones is going to let us know what you think about the thing we talked about with Todd Gurley and those trends. If you're on YouTube while you're there, please consider hitting the like button and the subscribe button and the notification bell. We've got some more great content coming to you guys soon. If you're listening to this, wherever you find your podcasts, please think about subscribing to the show and leaving a five-star review. It really helps us out and we'd appreciate your support. But anyways, that's going to do it for us. Also, Use code CHG20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. We'll be back to you guys next week with an episode. Let us know also down in the comments what you want us to talk about in that one. But that's going to wrap it up for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. We've been the Cold Hard Truth Podcast, and we will see you next time.